So Andy is uh, out, of, out of town doing some important pastoring other places. And, and I tried to get out of this. And I said, if anybody else, if you think anybody else might want to speak, I'd, uh, you're welcome to do that. You've got until Tuesday, and then I'll, we'll make a decision. And, and then I realized that the Lord was already laying things on my heart and preparing me. And I told him, I said, but I'm probably going to be thinking about something anyway, so I'm good, whichever. And so uh, today is scars and trophies is what, what's kind of on my heart, scars and trophies. So I just kind of wanted to start off with, an opportunity for you maybe to share a scar or a trophy. Now, if you want to show us your scar, let's, let's not have to, like, remove too much clothing to make that happen. But if anybody's got a scar, like, I've got a scar that it was a lesson that I've not forgotten. You know, you can, like, raise your hand and I'll, like, walk around and come see. Or you've got, like, a trophy that you're super proud of that maybe you had to work really hard to get and it's, like, meaningful, meaningful to you, so... Anybody, any young people got, Joe has a scar, he's, he's got lots of scars, but he's got one that he remembers. You got to hold the mic. Okay. This one uh, on my hand right here, I was throwing a broken toilet and it hit something and it split my hand open. And so you learned that Don't gloves? throw broken toilets, they're really sharp. So <laughs> okay. <wear> gloves. <laughs> okay, broken toilets, I got a pretty good ring up here. Uh, broken toilets, anybody else? Well, Okay, I saw a hand in the back. I'll come back to you, Peggy. Is this a scar or a trophy? Oh, I got scars and trophies. Scars and trophies. Well, you get a pick. Scar or trophy? Tell, tell us your name. I'm David Locker. Hi, David. I got plenty of scars and a few trophies. A few trophies. But I'm pretty proud of the scar on the back of my neck. Yeah? It's right there. Yeah. They splayed me like a fish. Oh, my, yes. That's like... I had to learn to rewalk again, and they flayed me like a fish. And I learned to, everything brand new. I learned to move again different. Everything was different. I was now, I'm now a left-hander. I was right. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? It was a big deal. But uh, the Lord was there. I remember laying there in my hospital bed asking the Lord to take me home. I couldn't feel anything from my neck down. And I said, Lord, take me. I'm ready to go. Ain't nobody bringing me no water. And uh, every day he just made me stronger and stronger. That's amazing. (laughs) So so you're getting ahead of me because that sounds like a scar and a trophy. A scar and a trophy. So that's... (laughs) Okay, I know I'm not going to ask anybody to one-up that. That's not the, that's not the mission here, is not to tell, tell a better story, okay? So I got, I got a, Peggy, Peggy had her hand up. Okay, I don't want to, after him. It's not the game. It's not okay. the game to tell a bigger scar okay. story. Well, I'm kind of cheating. Mine's not a scar, but I got this growth in the middle of my hand that I've always had, and I, I, I haven't liked it. It's like a bump or something, and... And I was looking at it one day, and it's like, God, I, I just don't like this. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh, wait a minute. I've got my very own mustard seed. <laughs> and so every time I look at the scar, quotation marks, I just thought uh, he turned that thing that I didn't like and I was ashamed of. And so now I just hold it, and it's a mustard, my mustard seed of faith. Mustard fi- so scars and trophies. I uh, see a hand down here, Larry's. That was Peggy. If you have not met Peggy, that was she can show you your mustard seed later. Hi, I'm Larry. And this is a brown recluse spider bite. Oh my. About the most interesting thing ever happened to me. I stayed off 51 days from work and I milked it for all it was worth. <laughs> what happened to that spider? He did. He did. Okay, so Larry won. It, Oh, I see a hand back here. I see a couple hands back here. 
Looking for some trophies, too. Anybody got some trophy stories? My name is Dave, and I have this scar right here on my hand. I was a crew chief on F-84s and F-100s in the service, and I knuckle-busted once, laid this open. I'm bleeding like a stuck pig, but I didn't quit. I kept on working, and... Uh, so you're talking about a trophy right now? This a trophy Okay. Here. And, uh, and uh, I did cuss the whole time, but I never quit. <laughs> okay. John? I see there's lots of guys with scars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's my 19th birthday. Um, I'm at AIT. So you're 10 years ago or so? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I'm at AIT um, in Chanute Air Force Base, so in Rantoul. And I'm up inside the tail end of a T-38 with the, the engine's been removed, working on some rudder, actuator, whatever. And it falls out of there and knocks me out right here. In the, and uh, I'm bloody. That's they, not supposed to happen? No. That's okay. Not, and uh, finally somebody pulls me out of there, take me to the hospital. I get stitched up. But later that day in formation, I get a balloonogram from my mom. <laughs> Sent me, a, you know, with 19, so uh, the drill sergeant makes me do 19 push-ups <laughs> with stitches in my forehead. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Okay, so that scar is shared by your mom. You got a, you got a story for us? You got a, a nice little scar there. That's kind of harder to notice. You're going to have to tell us about that. So I was being dumb when I was a teenager, and I tried to do that, you know, where you take the knife and you go between your fingers. Oh. And uh, I, I missed in between my fingers, and I got my finger. So this is a, this is a scar that teaches us a lesson, yeah. that, that you're not stronger than the knife. Everybody wants to hear Rebecca's story, who's got a free hand now. Yeah. So the story of the cast that was on my hand okay. for five weeks. Um, I, I work with my dad in home improvement, and I was putting up some fascia board, holding it up there, and I was using a framing nailer, which he told me afterwards was the wrong gun to use, but whatever, you live and learn. But I learned, you know, I shot my finger with the back end of that nail gun, and it went kind of just down sideways through my finger, dislocated my finger, and like chipped the bone. And I had to have surgery and pins and everything in it, and I have a scar to, to show for it. And a, and a lesson to <laughs> and remember. A lesson, yes, there's different size nail guns. <laughs> yes. Judah, we're going to let you go last, all right? Because you might have the freshest story. Freshest story. You already got a trophy story. I bet you've got trophies, too. Tell us your story. What do you got? That, that one looks really fresh. Did that just happen? What is it? The monkey bars. The monkey bars? When did you do that? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. It's still healing. What happened to the monkey bars? Are they still there? Yeah. Yeah? Are you going to climb them again? Yeah. Yeah? So you're not going to let the monkey bars win? Yeah. Okay, good job. Scars and trophies. He's going to conquer those monkey bars. So... Yeah, if you notice, like, I've got one of my scars that I remember is from about his age is on my calf, right? I took a drill bit and drilled it into my leg. It's a really dumb thing to do. It's one of those lessons that you learn. That scar is the scar I carry, but I'm pretty sure it's one that Dad wears, too, because he was the one that gave the 8-year-old a Dremel with a drill bit and then left him alone to play with it. <laughs> some, of our scar, 
some of our scars are not just our scars, right? They, they're like, I did this, and somebody else suffered. And sometimes our trophies, I brought one of my trophies. I don't need this, do I? I can put this, I can put this away. Some of our trophies, I got this little trophy. Now, you're not able to see it very well from here because there's not much left of it. So this is a, this is a jumper wire, like you hook, hook between two electrical things. And I was early on in my electrical maintenance troubleshooting career, and I was sure I was confident. I knew what I was doing. I'm like, there's no power right here. It needs power. I'm going to hook this in, hook this into where I know there's power, and take this end and put it over here where I think it should be, and then I got flames. And this wire heated up, expanded, melted the insulation off. I have flames in the middle of this production area that is supposed to be uh, explosion-proof because the stuff can catch on fire. And, and I'm standing in the corner upstairs all by myself, but I was sure that was what I needed to do. And... And so I keep that hanging in my locker at work to remind myself that sometimes you think you know what you're doing and you're really confident of the steps that you're taking, but it might not be the right plan. And so this, this is one of my, one of my trophies. I, I'm not going to say it's a scar because guess what? I figured I stuck with it. I figured out what was wrong. I repaired it and it's not been any trouble since. So I hang it in there to remind myself that sometimes the plan that you make may have to be changed. And it may be awkward when you have to change something that you were confident about. Trash, let's see. Toilets, you probably have to do that fairly regularly, throwing toilets away. <laughs> Not anymore, okay. Uh, monkey bars, we're going to say that those are still going to be in your life for a few years to come. Most of us have said, we are scared of those now, and we don't play with them anymore. So congratulations on being brave. Uh, surgeries that split us and change us from lefty to righty, not a story. Brown recluses. Isabella has a story like that. Her scar's not quite so epic. Some of these things, they come back around. And scars become trophies because we've learned some really hard lessons. And some trophies can become scars. I got a couple pictures here of, uh, this is a few years in my past. This was, uh, so I'm up in the upper right, and I've got a nasty green beard because it's St. Patrick's Day. Okay, this is, uh, when I was a youth pastor, St. Patrick's Day, we had dodgeball tournaments every St. Patrick's Day. So I always grew a big beard and painted it green, and, and, uh, so this was, I think, the last year this happened for me. And then there's another picture of the year before where you can't, the two silly girls in the front, they're like, yes, they are kissing a trophy. That is what they're doing. Because the dodgeball tournament, we won that every year. So this is like my trophy that a little bit has turned into a scar because it was a trophy. That youth group started out with just a few years before with just, just the, the girl in the white in the middle. You know, she was the only one. And then over the course of the next four years, we, we grew and could win the dodgeball tournament. And that was really exciting. And then 
the scars of life caused the connections that I had built with these friends to break and fail. And so now it's a scar. Go, go back to that other photo, that, that other photo, though. Can we go back to the? In here, there's a couple kids in this group that have gotten married. The silly one in the middle with the mustache and the, the girl leaning up. There's, they got married, and, and that trophy that became a scar, then they came back and said, you know, you had a, an instrumental, instrumental step in our relationship with Jesus. So now they're married, serving the Lord together, and uh, that trophy that became a scar has been healing some. I didn't know any of that in the middle of that mess. I didn't have that, all that wisdom to be able to look back on those things. There's another guy in Scripture that also kind of has scars and trophies, and it's kind of hard to tell if what happened to him, if he's like, this is a trophy and I'm proud of this, or this is a scar and it's still a wound. And most of us know his conversion story, Paul, right? We know his conversion story that in Acts chapter 9. But Acts chapter 9, he was a pretty young guy. I don't necessarily think about him that way. I think here's the Pharisee of Pharisees. He's the super teacher. He's super knowledgeable. And that doesn't necessarily sound like a 20-year-old until you start thinking about the passion that you might have had as a... He was probably under 30. He was probably like 27 when he's going to the Jerusalem council and saying, we got to persecute this way. And... Okay, 27-year-olds, that's kind of how we are, right? We are super passionate about what we think we know, and we're going to go after it, and yay, rock, conquer the mountain, and maybe I didn't see the full picture. But Paul, thankfully, gives us a recap of his conversion when he's older. So we got the conversion in Acts chapter 9, but we also have the conversion story as he recounts it to a king as he's getting ready to go to jail in Acts chapter 26. So Acts chapter 26, Paul is before King Agrippa. He's about 50, 54 at the time. So he's at almost 20, 28 to 54. Almost his life has repeated with Jesus this time. So, we got there. Acts chapter 26. What do, we, what do we got up here? We got verse 1. Okay, great. Verse 1. So, Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Stand up and talk. Tell your story. Scars and trophies. Then Paul searched stretched out his hand, and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that, that it is before you, King Agrippa, I'm going to make a defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all their customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. In the manner of life from youth, from my youth, I spent it from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, it's known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time 
if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain. This reminds me that I was sure I was going to fix this this problem with this little jumper. I was going to take it from here and here, and ta-da, it was going to fix it. I could go home. I was confident. In this hope, I'm accused by the Jews, O king. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? That's a pretty big hope. And that hope got him into trouble. But it wasn't how he always felt. So now he starts to recount. He's like the introduction to, King, I know everybody's mad at me. Let me tell you my story. I have this hope. And let me tell you where it comes from. Because at one time, verse 9, I myself was convinced. I was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus' Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecute them, persecuted them even to foreign cities. I don't know if he thinks that's a scar or a trophy at this point, but it's an important aspect. And it. it's probably it's a turning point in his life, right? Because pretty soon he's like, I got that attitude. And then this happens. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus. And this feeling and this emotion, I'm going to get him. I am young, I am educated, I am strong, and I'm going to go get the people that I think are wrong. I'm going to do the thing that I am confident is the right thing to do. Um, but at midnight, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. I, when I was Paul's age, I didn't have any idea what kicking against the goads meant. Like, all sorts of weird, weird images came to mind, right? King James says to kick against the pricks. Well, that doesn't really help me that much either, unless you're a rancher. And I... I don't own one, but I did it when I was a rancher out west. It was this electric hot shot. It was a stick this long with electric probes on the end, and you would jab it into the cattle and shock them. And they didn't like that, so they ran off. They usually ran in the direction you want. So this goad, this prick, this God is pricking the heart of Paul. And Paul is fighting against that as he's going following his plan to do the thing that he's confident in. Anybody, does anybody relate to that? Like, I've gone and done the thing that, and whoops. Jesus intervenes here. And he gives him a mission. But remember, Paul is only about, he's less than 30. 
at this conversion. When he's recounting it here in front of Agrippa, he's 54. I'm not 54 yet. I know what the, the impetuousness of 27 and 28 and 29 looks like. Because I got a, a scar there, too, that happened in that era. And his name is Trevor. This, is, this scar has, his name is Trevor. And I was a school teacher. Anybody going to school? Anybody have somebody at school do something wrong? It wasn't you. It was somebody else did something wrong. Have you ever seen somebody do something wrong at school? Like they broke the rules? Nobody ever sees anybody break the rules at school. Come on. You must walk around. Really? You've not seen anybody doing it? Okay, there's some hands. Seen people do things wrong at school. Okay, well, this was in my classroom that something wrong happened. And it, it was in the top ten of the wrongest things I've ever heard of anybody doing at school. A couple students, uh, and they, they, did, they got away with it. Because I didn't see it. They were, I was in the room when they did this thing that they weren't supposed to do. And Trevor saw him. And Trevor is the one who came forward. And I was embarrassed because I was in the room and I wasn't paying attention to what was going on enough that two students got pretty seriously hurt. And I was mad at Trevor because he didn't stop it right away. And so I took Trevor outside the classroom as he's like telling me about this thing that happened before lunch, and this is after lunch. And so like this is a pretty deep scar. Because I berated the kid for not, confet not saying something right away until he was in tears. Because I was the one that felt guilty that something, got, I got a, something ha happened in my classroom that I was supposed to be in charge of and I didn't even know about. It pretty much ruined my opportunities to speak deeply into Trevor's life at that point. Had a long time to go as his teacher and um, my pride and shame scarred him. Scars run deep, we learn from them. Hopefully we move on from them. Paul in Ephesians, I think it's, no, Philippians, chapter 3. So it's around this time in my life that Philippians chapter 3 uh, there's, a, there's a passage here in verse 14 that we'll get to, but Philippians chapter 3, finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me and safe to you. Look out for dogs, for we are the circumcision who worship. So I want, I want you to see this in chapter verse 3. Here's who we are. We are the circumcision who worship the God, who worship the Spirit of God in the glory of Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. 
If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul is saying, this is why I can be in charge. This is my trophy, I think. I think it's a trophy. We'll have to see. I have more confidence, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Paul has a pretty good track record of being awesome from the world's perspective. But he's left some scars. Because before the conversion, he was a what? A persecutor, murderer of the church. And he thought he was doing what he was supposed to do. In the moment with Trevor, I thought, I, I mean, I remember this. I remember this. It's such a vivid scar that Trevor needed to understand the weight of what he didn't take action on. And so I need to keep talking to him until he understands the weight. And he understands the weight by breaking down in tears as a 14-year-old boy. I thought I knew what I was doing. Wounded somebody. And I have, uh, I don't know if repented is the right word, but definitely realized that the power of words, even when you think you're using the right ones, can cut really deep and leave a scar on me. Paul, He wrote that passage in Philippians. He was about 57. I'm not there yet. Might have the hair of a 57-year-old, but I'm not that old yet. But that passage here in verse 14, he says, so here's what I do. I've not figured this out yet. He's 57. He's not 15. He's not 25. He's not even 45. He's 57. He said, I have not figured it out. I've not made it my own, but here's what I do. I, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who, of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. We probably attain those things through scars and trophies. Things that we have done and we're like, we're really proud of. And at the moment, it was something to be really proud of. And it may turn into a scar later. 
And God may turn that into something glory that you can't even imagine in the future. This is a long life for Paul. He didn't didn't die like Stephen, who was just following Jesus and speaking, and then Paul says, oh, we're just going to stone him and end that story. Paul didn't die until he was about 61, when he was martyred by the Nero era, killing off the Jews. Hope your, your guys' school stories don't turn into that. But before he died, he was in prison, and I don't know, we don't know if he knew he was going to be executed. I mean, that was the trend. Nero was in charge, Jews were being persecuted, and so Paul didn't have very much time to write very many more letters. He wrote to a dear son in the faith. His name was Timothy. So Timothy chapter 2, I find it interesting that Paul... It just seems like the tone is different. 1 Corinthians was one of his earliest letters. He wrote 1 Corinthians and he was just a, a... He was 50. It seems like a different tone than when he was 60. There was a lot of prison in between those times. A lot of shipwrecks, a lot of uh, new scars in the name of Jesus. So his tone seems to have changed some. But this message that he sends to Timothy, I want us to look at in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 22. He's writing to Timothy, who is not a 20-year-old. Timothy's been walking with Paul for almost 20 years already, so he's probably uh, the energy of a mid-30s. Deli, where's Deli? Maybe that's Timothy, right? Lots of energy. Paul's not got quite so much energy. He's in his 60s. And he tells Paul some things. Paul tells Timothy some things because he's running out of time. He tells Timothy... Verse 22, this is about not only a message for Timothy to tell, but for Timothy to receive, because Timothy's still got scars and trophies coming his way. And he says, so flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant controversies, as you know, those that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant. Interested in serving the Lord? That's probably something that should trigger in you. The Lord's servant. I hope that's me. I hope that's you. I hope this gives us some context for the, the scars that we have endured and the scars that we have left, the trophies that we have not yet laid down, and maybe the trophies that we're pursuing. And the Lord's servants must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may, perhaps, grant them repentance leading to knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. I read that. 
And patiently enduring evil is not my favorite thing. Right? I want that to be over with as fast as it can be. Like, this is annoying. I don't like it here. I want this job, this relationship, this activity to be done. Let's get through it. Patiently enduring evil. I, I want it to be, I don't want to endure it. I just want to be over. That God may perhaps grant them repentance. I've been to a lot of, I've heard a lot of speeches about that being a sure thing. Here's Paul saying that God may perhaps grant them repentance. I just want that, right? We just want that to be over. You just need to repent. Be done. God's going to, and Paul, after a lifetime of understanding Scripture, half a lifetime of following Jesus, tells his protege, Patiently endure evil, perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And if you want to know what kind of stuff you might have to be patient enduring, patiently endure, just read chapter 3. And you might go, oh yeah, that's all the stuff that I get tired of dealing with in life. I'll let you read that on your own. But what really struck me, if we go back... And I think this is the mission, the mission for us. It's Paul's mission from Jesus. The tone of what he says here in, in Acts 26. It's what Jesus told him. This is what Jesus told Paul. After Paul says, Who are you, Lord? Jesus says, I'm Jesus, who are you, you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. To appoint you as a servant and witness. This is what jumped out to me here. To the things in which you have seen me. What have you been seeing? Where have you been seeing Jesus? Where have you been seeing the Lord? Man, trophies and scars, they heal and change He, we share that. You had an opportunity to do that this morning, but when you connect later, a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Sanctified by faith in me. What did he tell Timothy? How do you do that? Patiently enduring evil. In wisdom and in gentleness. That is not what I did with Trevor. I don't have any contact with Trevor. It's not what I did with him. So I have to forget that and I have to press on. But I don't forget and not learn. Patiently enduring evil. Testifying to the things that we have seen Jesus do. So, 
You guys have a story. Some of you carry scars on your bodies that came from you because you were climbing monkey bars that you weren't ready for. Some of you have trophies that aren't yours. One of my favorite trophies ever was my brother's. He was in elementary school, and he did a science fair project that took him a whole year. He buried stuff in the yard and measured its decomposition, and he won a trophy that was as tall as him. And I was like, that's the biggest trophy I've ever seen. I don't know if I'm jealous or proud. That trophy I had to lay down, too. I don't need to be jealous or of my brother. He's a successful dentist. Youth group trophies. We lost that dodgeball trophy. But some of those kids have a pretty significant relationships with the Lord now. And they had rough. They had rough. <laughs> it was a rough couple years of ministry. There were kids that hadn't showered for, I don't know if they had showered in the last month. I mean, I literally, they had to come, into, come to youth group and, hey, you need some clean clothes? Here's clean clothes. I don't know if that's a trophy or a scar, but I know, I know what it is. It's a place for me to say, uh, Jesus, you're doing something that I don't understand, <laughs> and you're patiently enduring evil, and I'm patiently enduring evil, and may my <laughs> sanctification in you not be shaken because I get messy with stinky kids. Because I said something at school that I wish I didn't. It's Paul's message to Timothy, Timothy while serious. The Lord be with you, with your spirit. Grace be with you. That's how he ended that one. Paul's message to his son in the faith, which is his message to us. You got scars, I've got scars. You've got failures and successes, and we're just going to lay those down. Because they really get to belong to Jesus. So I don't know whether you came here with a scar that you're proud of or a scar that you're ashamed of. A trophy that you're like, it's on my mantle, and it's my best, this is my best day. Jesus has got a better day yet for you. He's got a place for that scar to be a trophy, and he's got a place for that trophy to be surrendered and change someone else's life. I don't know what that's going to be like for you. I don't even know what that's going to be like for me. But I know these last days, Philippians chapter 3, chapter 4, I'll let you read that. Sometimes it feels like that. And we can focus on the what's broken. Because you've got family that's sick. Guess what? That's not Jesus' plan. Jesus' plan is to make that new. I've got family that won't talk to me. That's not his plan either. Can they have life and have abundance? You've got a, you're afraid of what's going to happen at work. I, I don't know if I'm going to be in my job forever. Makes me nervous. I don't know how much I like it. And I've learned some hard lessons there. 
Jesus says, I came to make all things new. I came to give you life abundantly. And Paul says, we do that by patiently enduring evil. And Jesus showed us what that looks like. So we do it in joy with one another. Because Paul had to move through these steps too. He had all the information before he met Jesus and found salvation. Then he had to unpack it and live in freedom. Because there's like 10-year gap between Paul saying, oh, Lord, who are you? Oh, I need to think about you differently, obviously. And it was over 10 years before Barnabas came and got him and he went on a missionary journey. Paul had to unpack a lot of stuff before he was ready to walk in freedom and deliver freedom to the captives, to the Gentiles, that he did that. And I don't know if redemption happened in a moment for him or all along the way. But he had a big purpose that he did it with others and he did it to say, hey, (laughs) Jesus has got a different way to look at this this thing. He's doing something different. He gave me a mission just to point it out. So, Lord, I pray for Trevor. I think about him often. I know he was a young man that thought his life was going to be prison was his best option because that was his dad's option. And, uh, Lord, I pray that somebody was in his life to share what Jesus has done that connected to him after me. It's not only my responsibility, but it's our responsibility to connect and love and, and do that and enjoy the journey. I kind of think the Paul's tone and act says he was excited to be going to jail and be challenged by King Agrippa. I think he was excited about that. He got to tell the story in an audience, to an audience that might never hear it. And you have that opportunity. You have an audience in your life that maybe no one else will have. So use it and enjoy it. You got scars and trophies for a reason. And they're more than we can imagine. So... I didn't mean to be super heavy today, but that's what's on my heart. And um, I'm going to pray for you guys. And there may be some music playing. You're welcome to mill around. We're going to dismiss and uh, enjoy your scar stories. Share your trophies. Somebody needs to hear that. Heavenly Father, I thank you that Thank you that both you don't leave us in our wound. And that you use our wound. It's a mystery to me that you make all things, work out all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So I don't know what my next purposes will be. But I pray that we would focus on the upward call of Jesus more than the scars and trophies that we pick up along the way. Father, we're blessed to have Timothys in our life, people that we can show our scars to. Lord, I pray that we would be Timothy, 
and be able to learn from the scars, wounds, and trophies of others. And I'm amazed that you would use me with my scars and my trophies. Because they're not worth much. So we raise a hallelujah to you and say you are uh, the reason why we have hope. And we know that hope is not a disappointment. Thank you for using us. Give us boldness to share your story. In Jesus' name, amen.